Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic inspired podcast bringing innovation to professional development. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, and anyone vested in the world of education. And I've got a returning co-host with me. Uh, not that I've gone through everybody there is to go through in Epic at this point, but when it comes to this topic, I know nobody uh, aside from myself who knows this topic better than Regina Bell. Uh, Regina, thank you for coming back on the podcast with me this week. Thanks for having me, Erin. It's always fun to be here with you. You and I cut up. We have so much fun. Um, I'm I'm so pleased. Uh, that I can call you friend and uh, workmate at the same time. I agree 100%. Um, So our episode today is PBL, project-based learning, and student projects. Um, And I've given several um, talks on this this concept or idea. Um, And a lot of times people use PBL to talk about projects, but they're not really the same thing. Uh, right. So what is PBL in a nutshell, Miss Regina? Well, I think PBL to me, and I think it's a little bit different for everybody and depending on, on how you're using it. But for me, it's a lot of self-learning, self-dictated learning, um, letting the student really pinpoint an interest and run with it. Having them um, come up with a project um, with guidance, of course, but you may give them um, a, an idea and then they've got to whittle it down to where they can really get into the nuts and bolts of it all and expand it and get it to where they need to go and find out every the little details they need to do. It's not just saying, hey, build a castle or you know, out of marshmallows or something like that. You've got to get in the theory behind it and the history and all that type of stuff. And really just going with the kids' strengths because a, a PBL project should really go to something that the kid enjoys doing and then be able to grow upon that. Yeah, and a lot of times that PBL will start with an enduring question, like some somehow, some way, what kind of a problem can I solve with this project? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the very first PBL projects I did, we took uh, eighth graders and we were teaching them U.S. history. And uh, their goal was to teach each other. And they weren't solving some sort of uh, global problem with that, but they were solving the problem of how do these other kids learn what I've you know, got in my head. And so each kiddo was assigned a standard and they were directed that they were going to be then teaching that standard to the other kids. And I thought this is either going to be an absolute nightmare, which we'll have wasted, you know, three or four weeks on, um, or it's going to be something amazing. And Regina, uh, as you know, I mean, I've told the story to you before, but it turned out to be amazing. Uh, every one of those kids, uh, between myself and, uh, then teacher at the time, Jennifer Lake scored advanced on that EOI. 
at the end of the year. And um, from then on, I was hooked with project-based learning uh, and learning through projects. Talk to me, um, talk to me about the very first time you decided, all right, we got to do a project on this. The, the curriculum wasn't necessarily going to work. So it was time to work outside of the mold. I, I think my, the one that really hit home where I think I learned exactly what EBL was, I mean, we've all learned it, we've studied it, but for me as a teacher, I think it really hit on my first year here with Epic. I had a struggling, um, wanting to graduate senior. He was a student who had a lot of hard knocks and we were working really hard to get him graduated and just the staring at a computer doing you know, multiple lessons was just, it was grindy. And so luckily I have a supportive family and kind of runs with my crazy ideas. And he was in a criminology class and he was like, okay, we can do this. I know how to do this. So I had him over to my house. I staged a crime scene in my living room with the, with the chalk outline. Now we use tape because my husband would kill me if I was putting chalk on my wood floor. <laughs> but, you know, we put a body in my living room and I staged things like, you know, dust. I, I read some murder mystery books is what I did. And like the murder mystery party kind of things. And I staged things that would like show where the murderer came from, what type of weapon was used. And we literally worked out that whole scenario it was kind of like playing Clue in the living room with real props and um, was able to not only incorporate the criminology, but there was some math to it because you had to figure out, you know, how many steps and feet to the door and, you know, when if you blew this over, uh, which way they came in. Because um, obviously I couldn't break a window, but I wrote a note that said window broken inward and, or window broken outward, depending on where it was at. So I think for me, um, and to see him actually have fun, and this was a um, an older senior who was trying to graduate, he was 19, and, and to see him actually kind of have fun and go, oh, that's what you use that for, it, it encompassed all, several of his curriculums, but, you know, really took a big bulk of that criminology where he could see where it was all going, and then, of course, we threw in vocabulary words and things like that, but to me, that's that's when it opened up for those kids that have had either a bad taste about school or they're just senioritis, even, you know, just the nuts and bolts of it. It opened up a new door for him and he, he really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the things I most enjoyed, one of the projects I most enjoyed, you know, high schoolers, uh, we try to get it in ninth grade, but obviously in Epic, it, it can fall anywhere, but that Oklahoma history course, um, is something that's required that they take. But third graders also learn Oklahoma history. And I remember handing over the Oklahoma history standards to some high schoolers once. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just give you the autonomy. I need to see these things in it. You know, you've definitely got to meet these points. But I'd like you to present it in a way that we can show it to the third graders. And they came up with um, Carson's Wild Adventures, which mimicked the uh, Wild Kratts and any PBS show you've ever seen in your life. And uh, those high school kids taught the third graders Oklahoma history that year. And it was so much fun. You know, their first project, they uh, seemed to be kind of self-sabotaging uh, halfway through the video. But um, 
but once I gave them a bad grade for that, they really upped their game moving forward. And don't feel don't feel bad about giving a bad pro project grade if you see bad content coming through. And I wasn't. They were doing things like go uh, cameras rolling, you know, on film versus cutting it out. And I I'd already seen the first half of the video and knew that they were capable of cutting that out. And so I was like, you know what? No, some of you have gotten C's and some of you have gotten D's because some of them were in a movie making elective and some of them were in Oklahoma history. So I merged those two. Everybody was working the same project. They just had different standards uh, depending on what they were working on. And guys, that, that wild crap, I mean, the Carson's Wild Adventures is one of my most popular videos on YouTube. Um, and it was the fail that I actually posted to YouTube. And it, it's it's super fun. And so for, for parents that have multiple grade level uh, students represented in their household, a lot of times uh, giving ownership to that older student to come up with a way to, to teach their chemistry, their biology. I mean, all kids have to learn science. Um, you know, teaching that little kid their content in a way that a third grader can, can get it. I remember, I don't know if it was um, Ernest Hemingway, but he's coming to mind simply because... Um, um, that book of, of poems. What? What am I? Uh, uh, okay, I'll put it in somewhere. But um, <laughs> leaves of grass, or I, it's escaping me all of a sudden. But I remember him saying he had written that at a fourth grade level, um, so the masses could read it, and um, and he ended up getting like a Pulitzer for that or a Nobel prize or something. Gosh, I'm really failing at telling the story. But if you can, if you know your content well enough that you can explain it to a, a third grader or a second grader, then you really know that content. And if you can break that vocabulary down so that they can get it, then you truly know that content. And so parents and teachers, um, even administrators listening, like, Feel confident enough to start talking projects because these projects really give ownership and, and mastery of a topic to a student without having a, a whole lot more to do. I think it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, Regina, you did the, the, the killer project or the crime scene project with that kid. Now they've got, yeah, they've got like games that you can purchase online, hunt a killer and all these things mm -hmm. that, um, your, your thing predated those things. Um, have you ever thought about picking up one of those to make it easier or, um, um I do now. <laughs> I, I, I kind of wish I had copyrighted it and, you know, sold it on the internet myself. No doubt. But, you know, um, I, I do keep, uh, I, I have one handy and then of course I have my original one that I use um, depending on the student, and, you know, but it really project-based learning. The, the hard thing is you do have to make time. It's not something that happens overnight. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, oh, here's this assignment. And, you know, we as Epic people, we talk progress and pacing and things like that. And we always want to really see where that pacing is. And sometimes with project-based learning, PDL, sorry about that. Um, sometimes with that, you don't see that pacing as clearly. And so some people steer away from it because they're afraid, oh, I can't document that they work 
a full week on this subject, even though they really are doing it, it's just not ready to yeah. show yet. So that's one thing I think with um, for teachers, I think sometimes we're a little afraid to do those because our principals are wanting to see pacing and things like that. And I think this, if, if principals know that we're working this way and our kids are learning and the outcome is there, um, I think it just leaves so much more creativity for our students. Well, not only that, but especially when you're talking about trying to overcome gaps in that pacing or that progress. Um, mm -hmm. Shoot, I've got one geography lesson for that seventh grade geography that the one project... Oh my goodness. <laughs> I get it spreaded. Go away. Stop, I said decline. I don't know. I'm going to decline again. There we go. Um, I apologize. But, that's you know, that's, it happens sometimes. These Zoom calls when we're trying to deal with the COVID situation, sometimes we get random interruptions. Um, that's right. The, the project itself is set to take about a week and a half, right? Uh, if, if they keep up with my timeline that I've, I've built for them. But if they keep up with that timeline, they've covered 17% of those geography standards. That's 17% of the school year uh, in that one week and a half long project. And so when you're talking about overcoming pace and um, and progress, sometimes those projects can really help uh, cover a bulk of standards. And not only was that 17% of the geography standards, but because of the presentation the student had to give and the, the dialoguing that went with it, they were able to cover some of those English standards at the same time that um, you know we have to hit with students. And so sometimes you're double dipping on standards with one project as well and, and why not kill two birds with one stone uh, have you ever used something like teacher pay teacher for project-based learning have you gone that yeah far? yeah I've used that a couple of times and um, I think sometimes with teacher pay teacher you have to be very careful you only get like a one or two page preview and you think you're getting something good and then the rest of the pages are not exactly what you want them. but I do like to look at teacher pay teacher for some ideas um, sometimes you don't have to always buy. You can see something and, you know. Oh my gosh, I've done it again. Whoops, again. Technology is a beast today, guys. I apologize. Uh, so sometimes uh, you you do get you what you pay the, for them. Yeah, you can go to teacher pay teachers and, and sometimes just get ideas and build off. Um, sometimes you just have to see something to be able to run with it. I mean, most teachers are creative humans in some sort. Um, we may not think we're creative, but you really are because we we have to be for to meet all of our different students. And um, you know, take digital photography. That's a class. Um, sure, you could do book work all day long and look at things, but getting my kids out there with their cameras and giving them assignments like take pictures through the eyes of a three-year-old. What would it look like taking pictures if you were a three-year-old and seeing some of those projects and then also working on things like, you know, portrait pictures or, or outdoor or urban, any kind of style you know and I, I give them like a minimum amount of pictures they need to take and the quality and then they work with filters and things like that but those are skills they can use in jobs I mean think about how many jobs today we use our cameras 
to take a picture of something at work and get it to someone. Screenshots, cameras, I mean, you name it. I mean, seriously, how did we ever do it back when I was younger? (laughs) I mean, seriously, is there a day that we go without taking a picture? I mean, think about that. And so having those skills, um, it's it's fantastic. And it's um, one of my digital photography kids from two years ago, he was a freshman when he took it. He's now in... um, at more Norman Votech doing graphic arts because he loved taking all those pictures and just working with them. And now he's in the graphic design program at more Norman and loving every second of it. So that, you know, measly little, what we call an elective fine arts class turned out to be something that he really enjoyed. And it's now furthering his education and something and will be certified as a graphic artist once he finishes that Votech program. I love it. Now, going back to teacher pay teacher, I did purchase one from uh, this gal, April, who has the performingineducation.com website. Uh, She's got several projects on teacher pay teacher, which I have purchased, Um, but she has continuing education that goes along with hers through her website. So once you buy that package or uh, a bundle, you get everything, you get like a membership kind of an exclusivity to her website. And it's really awesome. We've done candy shops and built restaurants with menus. Uh, and, and those restaurants with menus also come with how much does it cost to feed a family of four with that menu? How much does it cost to bring your extended family and eat off of that menu? So there were lots of different standards there. Uh, one of my yummiest projects that I've ever done, Regina. I had a student who was in uh, the curriculum grad point, which is now called Accelerate. I mean, isn't that the closest? Yeah. Um, She had a culinary arts class and I thought, oh my gosh, how do you do culinary arts on the computer? And so I thought, you know what, we're going to take this and we're going to twist it around. I gave her my Pinterest board. I am no cook. Okay. I... (laughs) Sidebar, I remember week one being married and I bawled, bawled Regina because I cooked the macaroni and cheese too long so the noodles were super soggy and then the crescent rolls burned and I remember bawling because I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, my husband, you know, didn't realize that I couldn't cook and so yeah, I'm no cook but I've got an entire Pinterest board called Yum and so as I'm scrolling through Pinterest and I see a recipe I'd like to eat, not cook, <laughs> I just take it and go to the Yum board. Well, I thought, you know what? She's in culinary arts. I'm going to assign my Yum board to her. She, I gave her the money, but she did all of my uh, grocery planning, all meal prep, and brought three meals every Monday in casserole dishes with tin foil on the top and it said bake at 350 for you know 45 minutes or whatever and so for an entire semester this gal made everything on my pinterest yum board not only did she do all those things but i gained five pounds because i guess i like cheese um anyway she she, there were lots of recipes that used a ton of cheese I'm going to go submit schedule changes to all my high school students and put them in culinary because, as you know, I would starve if I wasn't married to my husband. Yes, so, well, uh, and she did the grocery shopping, too. Like, so I gave her the money. She did all the the planning, the meal prepping, the fixing, and she did the grocery shopping for me for an entire semester. Girl, 
I bawled when she graduated. Savannah Couch, um, please come back. Come back to me. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah, that sounds great. So any of Regina's rock stars out there wanting to do a schedule change, this one's for you. So. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can see all of these families wanting to switch to Accelerate because they want to take culinary arts now with their kids. There we go. Sorry to all our GSMs out there and for all the schedule changes we have just created on this one podcast. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that was beautiful. Regina, one of my favorite things that you do for some of this project-based learning and for some of your students who are trying to catch up, these older students um, that you are kind of taking under your wing, you bring them to your home or you meet them at a library, you feed them pizza that day, and you guys just get in it and you spend like five to six hours at a time consuming information and creating content. and. Uh, I got to tell you, that is that is probably the funnest thing um, I have ever heard. These kiddos not only uh, get that time with you for so long, but you feed them. I mean, will you be my teacher? Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I will say that's been a little hard this year with COVID. Um, just due to my husband's job, we have to be very careful. He's in elderly care, so we're, we're being very careful. So this year it's been power Zooms. And um, my student, whoever has really gone out of their way to work, I deliver pizza. I have it sent to their house. So that's how it's worked this year. So um, I've had a couple of my older students. And, and you know, um, a lot of our families have a good parent support system, and they have their children under their wings. There are some kids out there that don't have that. And so if I can take that role a little bit and work with them and get them excited, and some of them work just as hard as you and I do, Erin. They have full-time jobs. Some of them have kids. So um, if you can really just get them in there in that time and just really power through and work, it's amazing how much they accomplish because they are, they're smart. It's just that they're, they're spread thin. And so when you, when they understand that, that you understand that they're overwhelmed and thin, it's amazing how, how they react to you when they, when you, kind of feel and you're empathetic with them because there's a lot of people that just say, Oh, you should be in school. Well, you know, I'm trying to feed two kids and, and I'm for myself. I don't have a mom and dad around at 17 years old, yeah. 18 years old. So, so last week's episode was on diversity and inclusion with Lee Roland and it was amazing. But one of the questions uh, or one of the, the bullet points we just didn't have time to get to was talking about how we can adapt lessons for students um, based on, I mean, so one of the examples we talked about was this um, Vietnamese American who was learning about the Vietnam War from a very American standpoint, and it was really difficult for that student. Um, I'm going to link in the show notes for anybody that wants to do a little bit more reading. Edutopia has an article they had written a few years back about project-based learning and learning through projects. And one of the things it goes into depth on is the impact of agency and leadership when you're assigning some of these projects. And and not only agency and leadership, but gosh, could you imagine if this Vietnamese-American girl had had the opportunity to use a project to tell her version of the Vietnam War? And, And it's not, I mean... I, I, don't, I don't want to get into your truth and my truth because I know that that's 
kind of a, a virus going around right now in and of itself. But um, but I, I do think a lot of times um, we have Western eyes that look at things sometimes. And gosh, how much agency have you given a kid who may have learned something and felt horrible inside versus letting them speak their way of, of, of culturally realizing something? And, and gosh, how much can we as teachers learn through those students, especially of diversity and um, LGBTQ backgrounds, you know, whenever we just open our eyes and see a little bit more. And so yeah. that's another reason I just think learning through projects could create such an impact. I mean, especially with the difficult conversations, you know, rather than me teach you, Regina, about slavery or racism, why don't you teach me about slavery and racism? Uh, and and it, it's a totally different ball game when we get to experience it through our students. I agree. I agree 100%. And, and I love how project-based learning can be multiple standards at one time. Um, you know, it's, it's no big secret that I'm probably the biggest Broadway show junkie on the planet. I and, try to um, rival you as much as possible, know, but you do you know, have me. So it is, has really cramped my style. Two of my New York trips have been canceled, but, um, you know, using the musical Hamilton for United States history. Okay. Yes, it is a Broadway show. It's a phenom. It's, it's in the style of music that, that kids like these days, but there's a lot of falsehoods in Hamilton. There's a lot of truths. Yeah. There's also a lot of falsehoods. And one of my favorite things to do in U.S. history is to give them, you know, one or two songs and have them listen to them and then find out what's true and what's not true. And it's amazing when they go, what do you mean? Angelica Schuyler had brothers that were older. Wait, she was supposed to be the Mary Rich and all this kind of stuff. And they really find it, find it out and go through it. And then you can also count that a little bit towards music appreciation if they're in that class, because you know, Broadway is a, an art form and you can learn about the style and the costuming and the sets. And, you know, you can even look at the, their costumes and say, okay, are those historically accurate? Is that what really happened? Are these people real people? And so um, it also makes them a little more interested to find out about those people. I mean, heck, I was 50 years old before I figured out who Alexander Hamilton was. We never learned about him. I probably thought he was a president at some a time. A lot of people think he's a president. I mean, I, you know, so it's a, it's amazing what you can do with by combining the the uh, the standards and the classes together in projects and and i will say for me it's easier to do these projects with older kids um i've been really working on trying to be better at it for younger students because i think um you know younger students i'm so worried about their math and i'm so worried about their their reading i want to make sure they've hit all those standards so i feel like somehow when you get to high school you're almost liberated a little bit more to where they can take on some more. So that's something I've been working on is to make sure that this is something I can do even for younger kids. I love it. Any last words of advice on P PBL? Don't be afraid of it. I mean, what's the worst thing? It bombs. I mean, it, it, that's the same thing on a lesson on a sheet of paper. What's the worst thing that happened? It bombs. It could take off. You could say, oh, this is great, um, but I should have done this or maybe I'd do that like anything else you just you get better at it or you change some things i mean um i've been teaching 32 years and i sure hope i'm better than i was year one or two so um i think you just have to kind of go easy on yourself give it a shot and 
run with. Amen. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, you should rate the podcast or leave us a comment. I see your comments starting to come through. I would like to see a few more on the Apple podcast uh, app. So if you are an Apple podcast listener, go into the show, like the podcast, leave us a comment there, uh, tell us where we could do better, and uh, just let us know. Uh, Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.